You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Today's episode is brought to you by the Locked On NHL Show. You need more hockey news and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the leagues. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette, who you can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, we'll say our goodbyes to the teams who didn't make it out of the first round, including the Wild, Panthers, and Predators. Next, in our Crosscheck of the Week, we'll dig into what the hell happened to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who blew a 3-1 lead to the Canadians. And finally, we'll take a look at the early returns of the second round, including the Avalanche blowing the doors off the Golden Knights. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show... How you doing? Uh, I'm doing a lot better than I was on the weekend because uh, <laughs> we, we talked yesterday when we were prepping the podcast and both of us had some issues with our eyes this weekend. <laughs> I had uh, <laughs> Dylan's first soccer practice was on Thursday and it was really windy and there was something in the wind that I had a severe allergic reaction to and it made my eyes swell up to the point where I couldn't wear my contacts. So I was wearing oh. my glasses that I haven't worn in a decade and just like I, I was watching game six between the Leafs and the Habs and just like weeping. My tears were just <laughs> yeah. going down the face the entire time, and I, I finally was able to put my contacts in yesterday, and I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now, but I've still got the after effects. I had, like, hives all over my arms and everything, and Ooh. still itching. Yeah, allergy season is no joke. No, yeah, I mean, I have yeah, I have seasonal allergies, uh, and it is, it is always Mr. Bullock gets worse every year, thanks global warming. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, my eye situation is I think I got a bit of sunscreen in my eye um, while I was working yesterday because I yesterday was Memorial Day in the United States. Um, and I was outside a bit with my family, just, you know, having a pretty chill, low-key, like, get-together and all that. Um, and I put sunscreen on, and I guess I'd, like, I'd, I came from the party to home, and I had to start, you know, my my other job and I guess I just like rubbed my eyes during my job and suddenly my eyes are all watery <laughs> while I was trying to watch game seven last night I was like and I was writing and it was I was the only person really on the desk last night because it you know it's a holiday and I you know I was working it and everybody else was off so I'm like well I'm doing all I'm doing all this work and my poor eyes are like killing me but it's doing a bit better this morning it is though still a bit weepy but I think we'll be able to do the show this is an audio medium I think we're all right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna survive, and uh, yeah, at least neither of us are, you know, like hacking up along at the moment. And that's true. It's uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have we're gonna have fun. I think we've got lots of cool stuff to talk about today. I think uh, last night's game. <laughs> I can't wait for the cross check because I've got some things to say. It, it's uh, I, neither of us really gave the Canadians a chance, right? I think I thought it was gonna be no. a longer series. Nobody did. No, nobody. Did. Nobody did. And the fact is, no. nobody should have. Nobody should yes. have. But uh, we're gonna. But get we'll into get that. to that. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, first off is we have to say our goodbyes to um, a handful of teams that, you know, ended their playoff runs since the last time we talked. The Wild, the Panthers, and the Predators, I think, are the three teams. I mean, we saw, we talked about the Penguins, we talked about the Oilers, right, too. So, like, we basically talked about the, like, those teams, but we missed, you know, the Wild went to Game 7, um, and then the Panthers and Predators also went out. But we did not have time to talk about those teams. Uh, so we're going to, you know, bid our farewells to them. Uh, 
And I don't know if there's any surprises here. At least looking at this from my end, I'm pretty sure I predicted every single one of these teams to bow out in the first round. It, some in different ways than others. I wasn't... Um, I did not expect the Wild to go, you know, full toe-to-toe seven games with the Golden Knights. Um, but yeah, let's dig into that a little bit, Andrew. Um, first off we have is the the um, the Panthers, who um, were lost in the series to the reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I didn't find it much a surprise. I know a lot of people really wanted the series to go to the other go the other way because Florida is, you know, an up-and-coming team. They have some really fun players, a really fun style. But they just ran up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are just a head and shoulders above everybody else, it seems. Yeah, I mean, this was my fancy pick for the first round. I was, <laughs> I was trying to do the whole, like, galaxy brain and uh, see if I could, you know, go with my, not necessarily my gut, but, like, the, the risky pick, and hopefully it pays off, and then I look like a genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think <laughs> the Panthers, for um, a six-game series, like, they really carried the play for a lot of that series. The Tampa Bay Lightning are just their depth is at every position, right? So it is really tough to take them out. And and you look at they've already got a one nothing series lead against Carolina, who are also mm-hmm. a fantastic team. It it was a great series. I think that was the biggest takeaway that I had from that series. I think the Florida Panthers deserved a game seven. Uh I think maybe yeah. the thing that went against them the most was flip flopping between goaltenders. Yeah, I was going to say the goaltending situation yeah, that's, was that's a probably one. their downfall. Yeah, I mean, we kind of knew that that was going to be their weakest, I think, aspect. Yeah. Because um, we all know Sergei Bobrovsky had not been, you know, the $10 million man everybody had expected him to be. Um, and Chris Dranger was great in the regular season, but, you know, had a couple misses in the playoffs. And then they went to Spencer Knight, who had a really great first game. And he was in the he was in the net for the final game, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, they lost uh, for nothing. There was probably an empty net goal in there too. But um, so, yeah, goaltending was really the big thing for me. I really was uh, happy to see Spencer Knight get that win in his first game. I mean, he let out like he let in that first shot, uh, but then he shut out the Lightning the rest of the way. So that was really cool to see. Um, so I think they have a really bright future there with Spencer Knight um, in goal. We'll see how it shakes out in the regular season next year, what they do with their goaltending. Cause I mean, Bobrovsky is going to stay because of that contract. There's no way that he's not going to stay, but I think Chris Stranger is a, is he a UFA? I think, or like not he sure. may move on. Yeah. He might move on. You can, well, we know Sergei you can look Bobrovsky's that up while I'm filling. <laughs> yeah, we know that. But Spencer Knight, um, when they drafted him was basically like the Panthers goaltender of the future, right. essentially. So I will be interested to see how they do their goaltending situation next year. If, you know, Spencer Knight gets a gets a really lengthy look at the beginning of the year because well, should. Yeah, I think the dude deserves it. Yeah, I mean, dude deserves it. He played really great um, in his first game. And but the lightning are the lightning. And we should have known. I mean, I I did not pick the Panthers in this series, uh, so I did not try and go with the savvy pick. But I get I get why people wanted to, and it, this series really did produce some of the most fun games. I think for sure. Yeah, it was great, and I really hope that this ignites that rivalry and ignites the fan base in Florida a little bit, because uh, the games in Florida were pretty raucous. Like that building was going yeah. pretty well, so I, I hope that this really signals a bit of a change in South Florida for uh, how that team is is viewed and. Uh, how many people are end up at those games. I hope it helps them with marketing. It, it could be a, a big stepping stone. I'd like to see them win a series. Uh, I think they're the only team alongside the Leafs who haven't won a playoff <laughs> series 
since the uh, 2005 lockout, the 0405 lockout. So mm-hmm. th- that's a part of why they haven't managed to uh, become a successful team financially, right? Is like they just haven't had success on yeah. the ice, and it's hard to get people to convince that. But I think that and uh, the Oilers series were the only two series that I was wrong about in the first round. And this one was like the trendy. Yeah, not not pick. the not the Maple Leafs, not the Maple Leafs. Oh, series. you're right. No, you're right. I was wrong about that. But at least I said I that it was going to go seven. At least I said it was going to go right. seven. So I went five out of eight. Not too bad. No, I don't want to even look at my picks anymore. I think the Maple Leafs destroyed yeah. it uh, for me. It is what it is. You pick you pick games, it's and then fun. the playoffs fun. happen, and it's oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Panthers do. Um, and the Lightning. We're going to talk about them a little bit later. Um, when we get to discussing the second round action, which has already begun. Um, so next up, though, is the Minnesota Wild, who, like I said at the top, I was really surprised that they took the Golden Knights um, the distance to seven games. Yeah, I, I was less surprised um, I knew that they the were season, but yeah. I Well, I knew that they were they were quite good. I just, I thought that there was a, a, a bigger tier gap between, you know, the Golden Knights and the Avalanche at the top of the division and then the Wild kind of sitting third in that but I was proven wrong and I'm happy to be proven wrong because good old Minnesota I mean I don't obviously they wanted to advance in the playoffs but I think they had a really good showing here yeah they did and I think you can see that the the Wilder a little bit more of an exciting team I kind of made fun of them a little bit on Twitter because they had the one get like the first two games they scored like one goal or something (laughs) and you know Marc-Andre Fleury was great in that series which I Mm -hmm. I think hurt the the Wild overall in terms of like their goal scoring but uh it, it it's funny to see a team that was stagnant for so long and hasn't really made any big flashy moves. They've brought in some players and uh, brought up some players that they've been patient with. Like Joel Erickson, when he entered the league, was like, okay, he was he was a good prospect, but he wasn't, you know, a, a blow the doors off top end pick type guy. He's developed into such a great player and. You know, him going down injured uh, in game six, I believe, and he played in game seven, but he was clearly not himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely hurt the Wilds' chances of advancing. But you look at some of the pieces on this team, and yeah, there's some older pieces there as well. But this is a team that might be on the rise in the next couple of years. I don't know if they'll be in the same stratosphere as the Golden Knights and the, the Avalanche out west, but they are a strong team, not a team to be taken lightly. Yeah, I, I definitely learned that lesson. Um in these playoffs because I was incredibly impressed with what they did. Um, and I'm really excited to see their future because, you know, Kuro Kaprizov is an incredible player absolutely. and he was um, absolutely built to be everything wild fans were saying and more. Um, I mean, I think we talked about this before, but I think he's basically the shoe in to win the Calder this year. I would, I wouldn't see why not at this point. I mean, obviously the playoffs have no bearing on the awards and stuff like that, but it seems like, from everything I've seen, he's probably going to get it. Um, but yeah, they, you're right in that they deserve, you know, more respect. Because um, these aren't, this isn't the wild, the same boring wild team that they've been saddled with in years past. And I'm really looking forward to see what they do. Because um, when we get back to, like, I guess the regular divisions next year, they're not going to be in the same division, I think, as the Golden Knights. Yeah, um, I think I think whatnot. they're going to have an easier go overall because yeah. uh, you know the the Avalanche and the Golden Knights won't be you know like the two teams that they're butting heads with 20 games a season. But at the mm-hmm. and at the same time, I look at like the the landscape out west 
And, you know, let's give the Edmonton Oilers the benefit of the doubt and say that they're still a decent team next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets don't scare me. I I think, you know, the Hellebuck situation and uh, the high-end shooters makes them like a hard-to-predict team, but I don't think they're a contender. You've got Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota out west. I think those are the only teams outside of Edmonton that are really strong like the west is not a, a strong conference anymore They're... yeah i mean especially with the california teams yeah. like really taking a dip all at the same time so i mean i think the kings have an incredibly high upside but they're still in their rebuilding phase but i i'll be interested to see when they start to you know make that rise out of rebuilding team to you know all those young pieces clicking together but we're getting a little bit off track in terms For of sure. you know talking about the different conferences but I guess we'll speak on the last team that we said goodbye to was the Nashville Predators, who I was surprised that they took, much like the Wild, I was surprised that they took the Hurricanes like as far as they did. So was I. It only went six games. Um, and I know a lot of that was the UC Saros effect, uh, for sure, happening in the series. But I was definitely surprised with not how weak Carolina looked, but I guess maybe Nashville exploited a little bit of their weaknesses. Um but UC Saros is a major reason why that series went as long as it did. Because I was sure that was going to be... I think I had maybe the Hurricanes winning in five or something like that. But I just... I didn't expect the Hurricanes to look the way they did against the Predators. So good on Nashville for, you know, doing like kind of what we said that they might possibly do at the trade deadline. Is, you know, keep their players, see what happens in a in a playoff round. I mean, obviously they didn't advance, but I think that they put a good showing together. I still don't know what you see, like what the future of this team holds. Um, but UC Saros, really good goaltender. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really proved himself this year. It was, you know, he had, uh, he came out of the gates at the beginning of the regular season, really strong. And then he had a huge dip. Mm-hmm. I think he had a minor injury then came back and was absolutely astonishing down the stretch for the predators to lead them towards the playoffs. And then the playoffs just kept it going. Um, the last game, you know, he didn't have a, a fantastic game, let on let in four goals on 31 shots. Yeah. But at the same time, eventually a team that has the offensive firepower of the Carolina Hurricanes is going to break through, you would think, right? So it, it's just, mm-hmm. you look at his game logs uh, throughout the playoffs there, and it's just like, it's incredible what he was able to do for, for the Predators. Uh, yeah, first game and last game, not great. But in between that, 933, 929, 951, 919. Like, he wasn't giving them a great opportunity to win. <laughs> like, when the Predators won uh, game five, no, four, game four, he faced 61 shots. The yeah. game before that, he faced 56. Yeah. You know, 107 shots. Oh, no, 117 shots over two games that the Predators won, and he only allowed seven goals. Yeah. That is... That's impressive. Oh, man. That is incredible. I mean, it also speaks to the Predators um, and, you know, not having a very good defense to be able to keep Carolina from making those shots. But, yeah, I mean, UC Saros played a major factor in this series, and... I like I said, I'm not sure where they go from here. I'm not sure how they're going to evaluate their team in the off season if they see this as some sort of success, even getting into the playoffs and pushing Carolina um, this far. Mostly because, like before the trade deadline, we were talking about them blowing it up. I don't know. I'm just not sure where they'll where they think that this team 
is headed. I'm still of the opinion that it's probably like curtains for the Predators, I guess, window as we have seen it in the past, you know, when they went to the Stanley Cup final and all that. But I don't know. I'm not sure if they'll, if upper management there will take this as a, we made the playoffs. Let's roll it back. So I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, personally, I don't think but... they should run it back. Yeah. I mean, they, they are exactly what we said they were going to be. But I am hopeful for UC Saros, though. Dude played incredibly. Um, looking forward to watching more of him because obviously, I mean, the net basically is now, seems to now be his. I mean, since, you know, I think Pecorino basically is, I don't know if he's going to retire, but I remember seeing that he like played one of his last games in Nashville. And I think that era is on the way out. Yeah. yeah. And it is kind of disappointing though for the Predators because they only made it to that Stanley Cup final and they lost um, and haven't really been able to do much since, but I did enjoy them in, I guess, their heyday in their, you know, high points. They were a fun team to watch. Yeah, they, they absolutely were. And I feel like I also root for Saros because he's one of those few goaltenders under six foot in the NHL <laughs> today, right? Like, he's a small guy. I'm a short dude. Short king. Yeah, short Let's king, go. Exactly. So it's, I think short it's kings. basically just him and Yaroslav Halak who are under six foot in the NHL now. So, hey, you know what? Two very, very good goaltenders under oh, yeah. six foot. Maybe expand mm-hmm. your criteria of what you think uh, – the guy who stops puck, stops pucks. Uh, how how big he has to be because these guys are good, and I'm sure that there's more out there. But uh, yeah, we mm. should probably leave it on the predators because uh, I think they're not they're probably not going to listen to us. But uh, I I think it's time to try to change things up for them. Yeah, and I guess speaking of short, you know, short kings. <laughs> um, Wealthfront is uh, one of our sponsors of today's episode, and you know. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open Wealthfront Investment Account today. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your, 5, 000, your first $5,000 managed for free, for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? With rockauto.com, you have access to their auto parts at home, on your computer, and in your pocket on your phone. rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks directly to your door. I actually just picked up a car from my uncle this past week, so might even use rockauto.com for myself, because it is an old car, so... I might, you know, check a look and see what rockauto.com has in store for me. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. 
Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Andrew. It's our cross-check of the week. And I think we have a lot to say in this cross-check of the week of ours. Yeah, we do. It's, it is, oh man. It is about the Toronto Maple Leafs, who blew a 3-1 series lead to the Montreal Canadiens. And I think I said this on Twitter, but I know this was a possible outcome, and I know this is the most Maple Leafs outcome possible. But I did not expect it to happen. I know that it was an outcome out there, and I know Maple Leafs fans probably knew that this outcome was likely considering the way things were headed in this series. But I still didn't think it was going to happen. I had faith, and the Maple Leafs crushed me again, Andrew. And I'm not sure what to do here. I mean, I'm not even a fan of their team. I just, I just feel bad for the team and the fans who seem to be cursed beyond all belief at this point. Yeah, I think the the people that I feel bad for the most are the people who are going to take the wrong lessons from this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's possible that both the Maple Leafs and the Canadians take the wrong lessons here. And I think the Canadians are going to see this as like, oh, yes, we built a great team, and therefore we are going to continue going down this route when they played one great game the, that whole series, and the rest of it Carey mm-hmm. Price stole for them. You know, they, they played great in Game 7, and the Maple Leafs, you know, I don't expect them to just run it back and try to do the same thing over again. I think there's going to be some changes. But overall, in that series, they did own by far the majority of the play. Like 60% of the high danger chances. I think it was like 56 or 57% of the expected goals. Uh, They actually outscored them as well. They had 56% of the actual goals. So like... Part of it was just distribution in different games, right? Like, they they piled on their goals in, I think, game two and game four, and went their offense ran dry at the wrong times. But yeah, you you got to give so much credit to Carey Price in this series. Like, as much as the expected goals versus uh, actual goals shows that he was saving uh, about point seven or so goals per game above expected, I think that underestimates it. Because mm-hmm. I, I was look like looking at the shots that Toronto was getting, especially through the first five games, it wasn't even close. Like the Canadians were not getting the, the scoring chances that Toronto was, and it, it's not just shutting down like the high end scoring chances. It's like there's no rebound. You know, he just swallowed pucks over and over and over again. Just plays died in front of Carey Price. So many fantastic saves on two-on-ones, on breakaways, everything. He was rock solid the whole way through. And I don't know if he necessarily got in the in the Maple Leafs' heads, but I think, especially in terms of uh, Mitch Marner, he got in his own head. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I think we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Mitch Marner yes. because I know I saw a lot of Maple Leafs fans obviously acting from their emotions, as one does. I mean, I've been there, don't get me wrong, but I saw a lot of trade Marner in my in my timeline last night. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, he got in his own head, for sure. That was plainly obvious to see. I mean, the dude was making mistakes left and right in game seven. Um, and I think I had seen something that, like, he hadn't scored in 18 consecutive playoff games. 
I'm pretty sure that I saw like one of like the big Maple Leafs people tweet about that. It's clear he's in his own head. Um, and I contribute that in part to the weight of Maple Leafs fandom, the entire city of Toronto resting on the shoulders of 20 some year old kids. Um, and I mean, I know that there's a veteran leadership there in Toronto. I mean, Tavares is a big one, um, but he was injured. But I mean, you've got guys like Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, like all of them. Um, but it's clear that this responsibility seems to weigh very, very heavily on, you know, the Austin Matthews, the Mitch Marners, the William Dean Landers of this team. And I feel really bad. Like, I, I know that Maple Leaf stands are going to want change, but part of me feels really bad for these guys. Like, I, it's devastating. I mean, they've had how many playoff chances in the modern era, like, with this group, and they just haven't been able to pull it together, and it's, you know, been devastating each time that they've lost. Like, that does something to you mentally, even though, like, hockey players will shrug it off um, and say that they're fine because that's how they are, but it, it impacts you mentally. And I really hope that I'm not, I, I don't know what the future is going to hold for the Maple Leafs. We'll probably talk about this a little bit later in this segment. But I really hope that, you know, the young guys of the Maple Leafs don't feel like they have to carry everything for this team. It should be a group collective effort. I mean, obviously that, you know, the Austin Matthews and the Mitch Marners, they led the team in points and goals. And, you know, they're supposed to be the big stars. But it seems as if they – it just – isn't clicking for them mentally and it's really it was really tough to see I mean Mitch Marner was incredibly emotional on the ice like in game seven and it was just it was just tough for me to watch because I was like this like I know that he's being paid however millions of dollars I get it Toronto fans but I think that I think they need help like they need they they can't just be on their shoulders it needs to be an entire team effort here yeah and I think you know the excuse in years past was like oh you know Freddie Anderson kept on crapping the bed in big moments. And this year they got great goaltending from from Jack Campbell. Although yeah, I think I mean, that first goal that, against like, Gallagher was not yeah, great. Yeah, he wanted to have back. And I remember seeing a quote that he said that he wanted to have that back. But I don't think this was on Jack Campbell at all. No. Um, I think the offense in total, not just, you know, the stars at the top, like the young kids. Um, I think in total, like, I mean, we had been praising the Maple Leafs for their depth basically since this podcast had started, we talked about how we thought this was the best iteration of this Leafs team, the most deep iteration of this Leafs team. And they just, their offense did show up, but not when it mattered. And that's as a whole. Like I said, I'm not trying to pin blame on any one person here because I've seen a lot of that getting thrown around. But I think it is as a collective right now that their offense let them down. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I've mentioned on the podcast a few times that the one thing that I was worried about with the Maple Leafs was that they kind of bit too hard into the narratives surrounding them at the end of last year that, you know, they were all offense and too easy to play against. So they needed to bring in the veteran presence, the gritty guys, the defensive guys. And it's like, OK, you brought in Thornton, who is like more offense than defense at this stage, but is still, you know, like he played more of a gritty role this year. You brought in Wayne Simmons, uh, Brody, who I think was fantastic, uh, Nick Foligno at the deadline, Riley Nash at the deadline, and I, I think I think I said on the podcast, or at least I meant to, if I didn't, that the one thing that I was worried about in this series, especially when they scratched Galchenyuk in Game One, was that they were leaning too far into the defensive side of hockey and getting away from their identity. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know if that's what did it in this series and why they couldn't break through, but it sure seemed like they weren't able to produce offense the way that they should as as dynamic yeah. as a team they are. Now, they got the chances. Like, part of that's just Carey Price being Carey Price, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, not to take anything from Carey Price here, because dude was fantastic. Absolutely a major factor in why the Canadians won this series. I mean, as you said, the Maple Leafs got a ton of chances, high danger chances, had the majority of the expected goals percentage and stuff like that. But Carey Price was the difference maker here. I mean, I know the mentals of the Leafs are going to be a big point of talking point as we're discussing right now, but... Nothing to take away from Carey Price. Dude was unreal. Yeah. And I think there's there's also there's a lot of stuff going around, a lot of like blame game. And I just want to talk about some of the things that went on in this series and like the excuses I th- I'm seeing a lot from uh, certain sectors of like Leafs media or Leafs fans. And like, OK, well, who who would have expected this to happen? Like they they couldn't have co- gotten over the injuries to Jake Muzzin and John Tavares. Well, John Tavares, I get. Yes. Game one early mm-hmm. in game one. Jake Muzzin was out in game six. Like you had a chance yeah. to end the series already. So, like, yeah. that that is a non-factor to me. Uh, the whole Tavares thing... And I wrote thing... how... And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I wrote how uh, last night in my For the Win piece that um, the Tavares thing is huge and definitely made an impact. It, it's huge and made an games, impact, but at the same time... But they time, won three games without him. They did. And they didn't win that fourth. So that's, like, there's no excuse there. I mean, Well, and also, like you I look said, at who was injured on the Canadians coming into this series, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Carey Price was coming off of a concussion. Phil Deneau was coming off a concussion. Brendan Gallagher, for the first five games of this series, couldn't even shoot. He couldn't handle the puck at all. His thumb was blown up uh, mm-hmm. halfway through the season, right? Shea Weber was in a cast before the season, or before the playoffs started. Uh, he couldn't shoot the puck at all. He couldn't handle the puck at all. You know, uh, Thomas Tatar was clearly injured heading into the playoffs. He missed a stretch at the end of the season. So, like, your whole top line on the Canadians is injured. Your one or two defensemen is injured. Uh, I thought Jeff Petrie really struggled at the start of the series as well. You know, it, it's it's all it's very easy to say, like, oh, well, these guys were injured, therefore we couldn't get over it. But at the same time, the other team had just as much hardship. And, yes, yeah. Those players were playing in the games and Tavares wasn't, but like you're the much better team. And I think with the Maple Leafs at this point, I'm just kind of tired of the excuses. And I look at the way game seven went and how many battles the Canadians won. And I'm like, this should be the team that's more tired. They played closer to the end Mm -hmm. of the season. They had more injuries overall, more guys playing hurt. They're the less talented team. Fact is they're the slower team overall. Mm -hmm. They're not, the speedy skating Canadians of a couple of years ago, they've really gotten a little bit older and uh, slower for the roster construction. So there's no excuse here for the Leafs to not be winning those battles. That comes down to intensity. And this is where it circles back to Marner for me. And I know people are being really harsh and some of it is unfair and emotional, but this mm-hmm. is the third straight season or third straight playoffs where Marner just flat out disappears in the playoffs. And I'm all for players getting what's owed to them and negotiating hard because by and large players are underpaid and in hockey they, you know, are much more willing to take the undercut than in other sports and, you know, team first, blah, blah, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you hold out into training camp and you end up getting paid about 30% more than your comparable wingers who signed in that same off season and like Mark Stone, Miko Rantanen, you better show up. And then you see yeah. the stories that come out, uh, both on the athletic and Ian Tullock in his own personal blog, talking about people close to the team saying that 
Mitch Marner refused to play a different position on the power play. He wanted to be on the half wall and he what like refused to be taking taken off the top power play in favor of like a Willie Nylander and Nylander was much easier to deal with for the coaching staff to bump him down. He just didn't complain. I know that if you're making $11 million a year, you want to be on the top power play unit and everyone has pride, but at a certain point, if you're not producing and your coaching staff says you're going to be more effective here, suck it up. And yeah. I think, and you have to earn that. You have to earn you that. You absolutely too. have to earn that respect. And the, the mm-hmm. Maple Leafs power play was not producing for most of the year. You know, it was not amazing in this series. wasn't abjectly terrible either. But man, I just the stuff that goes on behind the scenes with Mitch Marner and the things that you hear between him and his dad and like just some of the like the whole like the Marner camp was offended because they didn't get paid as much as Matthews as quickly as Matthews. You're not Austin Matthews. You're not. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. But it, yeah. it just to me, I see that player as a bit of an issue. As much as mm-hmm. he's, you know, very affable off the ice and, you know, a great regular season player, I don't know if the Toronto Maple Leafs can win with Mitch Marner. And I think that you don't have to rush to trade him, but I think that he'd get great value for him. The, the idea that I floated, which uh, you can tell me if I'm crazy, Mary, <laughs> because it's about the Flyers. The Flyers oh, also boy. want a shakeup, right? They want to get back uh-huh. in the playoff picture. How about Mitch Marner for Travis Konechny, Shane Gostaspare, and spare parts? Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, I know Flyers Twitter would love that trade uh, just because it is a trade and it is <laughs> doing something. Um, but if stick meme. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how Flyers uh, Twitter wants the that's how Flyers Twitter sees the team right now. Uh, so I'm pretty sure at face value they would enjoy it. But I think that you make incredible points about how he just hasn't lived up to his contract and has not been a playoff performer. And that has been levied at Travis Konechny too, not being a, a playoff performer. So we might end up with, you know, Travis Konechny 2.0. Yeah. Well, uh, it might in be the like a change of scenery humbles them both. This is right? true. This is true. This is true. I mean, this is all hypothetical. I have no idea how that could happen in the future and i would not be surprised if we get like if Murner moves uh just based on everything you said just based on the feelings around the team i mean he's not played up to expectations he's not i mean he let the team down i think i think a lot of players have let this team down but it seems that you know and i think he would agree i think that like he knows that his performance was bad i mean you could see it on the ice that he knows um i mean especially after what he he like flipped the puck up into the stands and took that really dumb delay of game penalty yeah. in what game six i think it i don't think it amounted to anything but you could tell like he knows um and i think that definitely weighs on it too but i mean yeah i mean i also go back to the nick felino trade i mean i was not a fan of that on this podcast specifically and why did why was he even there like why did they go out and get somebody like that when they could have added somebody to bolster their offense i didn't nick felino didn't register for me at, at all no, in this series other than other than that fight that he had um with Corey perry in game one which again we've discussed i didn't think it needed to have happened but that was the only time i was really cognizant of nick felino on the ice i don't understand that trade they gave up a first round pick to make that happen i still that was an incredible mistake in my opinion it was i could feel that coming from a mile away you know what it was a hundred percent it was they remembered what nick felino did to them last year in the playoffs which was he played a very dirty series. He hit guys from behind and got them off their game. 
I guess it wasn't the playoffs. It was the play-in round. But I think the Maple Leafs were affected, their management at least, by how last season went against Columbus. And they, yeah. they just, they overreacted. But they went away from, and they went away from what makes them good. Uh-huh. Their offensive talent. And I, it, it's wild to me because I think Kyle Dubas is a good GM, but that move I don't get. Yeah. And I, I mean, he's going to be UFA this year, right? Like they gave up so much for for nothing, so little, yeah, for nothing in return. And they could have used that asset management better. The good, Before we the move good thing on, is though, that they didn't give up too much in terms of like the future, and they don't have like a lack true. of flexibility to move things around again i think that this that first round pick those stings. yeah the, the first round pick stings but at the same time it's just like you're losing a valuable asset to trade later and like i don't know mm-hmm. how much a first round pick helps this current leafs core you know you're looking like four or five years down the road but i think that this this team can be reorganized slightly and come back even stronger next year there are some moves that they made like the brody move i love that move but the, they bit too hard on what they thought killed them last year when they just got goalied. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, I just want to ask you a quick question. Go for it. What do you think they're going to do this year, like this offseason? Like what – if you had to pick one move for the Maple Leafs to make this offseason, what do you think they do? Is it coaching? Is it player management? Is it even somebody at the top? I don't think so, but you never know. Like what – this offseason is going to be incredibly interesting. Yeah. They are the team to watch. I mean, outside of Seattle, because, you know, we have that coming up this upcoming year. But, like, the Maple Leafs are going to be the team to watch. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think they're going to do? I think Seattle opens the doors for big moves, right? And I think Mitch Marner gets traded at the draft. This mm. this is my assumption reading the tea leaves, some of the stuff that's coming out about him. Because stuff like Marner being unwilling to accept coaching staff decisions doesn't leak unless the team allows that to leak and for them allow that to allowing that to come out right after they were eliminated that means they're pissed they're pissed at this player and i think when you see a player who's continually made the same issue uh, issues come up three playoffs in a row they lost their patience last time with nazim kadri it's a different situation Mm -hmm. but I don't know, Nazem Kadri's a better playoff player than Mitch Marner has been, you know, as much as he misses half of it, the games. I was going to say, he misses, he misses half the games. But at but least the games he plays, he shows up, right? So I, I yeah. think I think Mitch Marner is as good as gone. Uh, I would be very, very surprised if they run it back with him. And if they do, it might just be that they couldn't find a cap situation that would work. But I think Toronto's creative enough that it isn't really an impediment. I think that... A lot of teams would love to have Mitch Marner and be confident mm-hmm. in the fact that his playoff performance would tick back up to where you expect when he isn't on the Maple Leafs anymore. And he isn't seen as uh, the guy who's hurting the Maple Leafs, right? Like that pressure is lifted off of him. He's not playing yeah. in his hometown anymore. That That's what I expect. I don't think you can run it back with this team. Something has to give. Yeah. Um, because it's clear that it's just not working and the mentals of this team, they need some sort of shakeup, whether it be bringing somebody in or shipping somebody out, something, something has to give with this team. And while you were talking about Mitch Marner possibly being traded, I'm imagining the summer, the summer might honestly be super wild because Mitch Marner could go. Jack Eichel could go. It could be an incredibly, I mean, and also we have Seattle. So they're an incredible wild card here. We could have a very active off season depending on how things go. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, but 
I'm not sure if I would bet on it, but you know what I will bet on? Bet online. <laughs> it's the fastest and easiest way to get all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, we only have a little bit of a taste of the second round uh, so far because um, we don't have the North Division uh, playing just yet. But we have had some like early round, like early games from the second round, and I guess we'll start off with the Avalanche blowing the doors off the Golden Knights. Um, and I knew that the Avalanche were going to be good. But uh, it feels like they're about to walk to the Stanley Cup final. Sorry to jinx it, Colorado fans, because I, I am known to do that. So sorry <laughs> in advance. But they blew out the Vegas Golden Knights 7-1 yeah, to one game in Game nuts. 1. It was. It was absolutely bananas. I mean, you could just... I thought that at the top of that division, there was a tear break between the Golden Knights and Avalanche at the top. And then everybody else below them. But it might just be the Avalanche are in their own separate stratosphere right now. It is... They're so fun to watch. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a lot of tweets going around about the Avalanche and, like, comparing them specifically to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, like, why did the Avalanche lap the Leafs? And it's like one team bought all in on skill and the other team mm. tried to go gritty defense this year. And while that is definitely true, uh, I think what people kind of ignore there is that Nathan McKinnon is making half of the money that the, the mm. Maple Leafs' top three players are. So it's like... Yes, the Avalanche have done a brilliant job building this team, and I don't think you can take anything away from them. But they also got really lucky that Nathan McKinnon had a really crap year right before he had his big contract mm -hmm. extension. Now, to give oh, yeah. them credit, they could have signed him to a bridge deal at that time. That is mm -hmm. standard operating procedure in the NHL, right? Like, you're like big star young player, has a bad season, and he's up for contract. Well, we'll just give him a bridge deal because we're not sure. Well, here's the lesson, GMs. No, you don't do that. If you're <laughs> if your young player has an off year and you're confident in them and like the underlying numbers are strong, sign them to the max term. Mm -hmm. You know, and for players, don't do that. Sign a bridge. To them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, from a team building perspective, you you have to try that. Uh, you know, going back, uh, I hate to bring it back to the Canadians, but the Canadians had a chance to do that with PK Subban uh, the mm -hmm. year. Not that he had a bad year, but the year that they signed him to a bridge deal, he wanted to sign for max term. And mm -hmm. I think the asking price was $5 million. And then they, you know, held him out, uh, refused to pay him. And then he ended up getting like 2.8 for two years and immediately won a Norris trophy and got 9 million a year, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, don't make those mistakes when a player wants to stay long-term and they're a star level player, pay them what they want when they don't want a lot. <laughs> I was, it, it, I was gonna, like, I'm looking at the, the, Avalanche's point totals. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, eight goals, 12 points in five games. Gabriel Landeskog, four goals and 11 points in five games. They're just, I mean, Miko Ranton in two goals, nine points in five games. They're just incredible. And I'd love to spend more time talking about them, but I think we need to at least talk about the fact that Vegas went with Robin Leonard to start game one. 
Yeah, that was where a, is, a where, weird one. Mark Andre Mark Andre Fleury is out with the sword to his back. Just in everybody. Like what where where was Mark Andre Fleury? Like what I is he is he okay? I mean he was on the bench, I thought. I just was incredibly surprised by that move that Yeah. I understood Why would you the, put Lena in? I understood the reasoning in a like very sterile way where they were saying like, Oh, you know, Mark Andre Fleury's getting old. We wanted to they had to go seven I mean, against the Wilds. So they're going to give him yeah. a rest and let Leonard go. And they're like, Leonard is not a bad goalie. So it's not like you're, you know, really risking a lot. Leonard's really good. So I understand it from that perspective. And the game wasn't on Leonard. I, I think we should be clear about mm-hmm. that. But I, I do feel bad for Leonard that he yeah, like didn't like play for uh, like what a month or so almost. And then he just gets yeah. thrown to the Wolves against the Colorado I- Avalanche. Yeah, I I'm not sure I would make that move. No, um, it's the playoffs. Just because you, like he's, you run. he's yeah. I mean you have to you have to ride with your hot goalie. Yeah. I mean Mark Andre Fleury is a veteran at this. He's won how many Stanley Cups? Been to the Stanley Cup final with Vegas a handful of years back. He he knows what he's doing. I mean he's getting old, sure, but a dude's a dude's a stone cold vet. I would have just let him have the net. I don't know if that would have helped them, but I don't think the damage would be nearly as bad. No, it, especially it because Laner only Laner played like um. He hadn't played for like a month, basically. Yeah. So I don't think that helped. And I, I don't know. Maybe like Vegas comes out a little bit stronger if they don't think that they're just spotting Colorado a win, right? And mm-hmm. the Colorado Avalanche are not a team that you can play around with like that. Oh, no. And like I said, I don't think starting Leonard was a guaranteed loss because Leonard is really good. But yeah. it's just a weird way to start a series. And it's just one of those things where you're outthinking yourself. Yeah. It, you're basically you're out coaching yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it from Vegas's point of view. We'll see how the rest of that series shakes out, but I mean, goodness gracious! Yeah, Colorado, they are. I am insane. It, yeah, I, I I said on Twitter, but I would not be surprised if they walked to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Nathan McKinnon I, will skate there at blinding speeds. Playoff Nathan McKinnon is something else. Yeah, like. I mean, wow. you guys need to, if you guys aren't watching these games, you absolutely need to. Like, I know they're on West Coast time, but please make yourself, this is appointment viewing. We're watching some incredible hockey out here um, on the West Coast, and you guys need to watch it. But I guess shifting back a bit towards the East, um, we got our first game of the Tampa Bay Lightning Carolina Hurricane Series, where Tampa Bay took game one by a score of two to one. Um, I'm not fully surprised here. I. I mean, I think I took the Hurricanes coming out um, and being in the Stanley Cup final, but I thought that the Hurricanes looked a little weaker than I expected in these playoffs. Um, and Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. We've talked about them at the beginning of the show. They're just really, really good. So I'm not surprised to see this result in game one. Um, I will be interested to see how the rest of the series shakes out. But so far, I guess I'm a little bit, I don't know if I'm disappointed by Carolina. If I if I just got overhyped again by the promise of their, it's still early. I don't know why I'm like all doom and gloom and whatnot. But <laughs> I mean, anytime uh, you're down one against the Lightning, it can be a little bit doom and gloom, right? Yeah. They're, I think this is the thing about the teams like the Lightning, where and I guess maybe the Colorado Avalanche too, is when they have a chance to put you away, they're going to put you away. I think they learned yeah. that lesson when they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. That like this team, it no longer takes the foot off the throat. Yeah, they just and... pound you down, and maybe that's a lesson that Carolina has to learn. I'm not sure, but I I think, like you said, I don't think we've seen the best of the Carolina Hurricanes yet yeah. in these playoffs. I hope we see it just to make this a great series because it has amazing potential. It has the yeah the potential. I mean, we outlined it in our doc um, for this segment, but this second round could absolutely be the best hockey we see in these playoffs. I mean, I know you want to see the best hockey near the end and all that, but we've got incredible matchups. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I mean, especially like Avs, Golden Knights, and Lightning Hurricanes are like the two top for me. And let's not um, sleep on Bruins and Islanders either. Like that. Yeah, that I, well, I was going to get to them. I was going to. I know. I was going to get to them. I was trying to give Carolina and the Lightning their due. I was just going <laughs> to say that like it's been incredible hockey. Um, I really hope that the Hurricanes Lightning series lives up to its potential because you're right, it does have the possibility to go all the way, and there are two fun teams that I guess are. I don't want to say Tampa is not a traditional hockey market, but if you think of hockey, you're not going to think of Tampa Bay usually. No offense to the Lightning fans. You guys have great stuff. But it is – they're two, I guess, un, like non-traditional hockey markets playing some incredible hockey that has made a lot of fans. And, like, I mean, we've seen the storm surges in Carolina, and we've seen what Tampa Bay can pull out uh, after the team wins the Stanley Cup. I'm not taking that away from you guys. That's been incredible stuff. But to see two, like, new upcoming pow- hockey powerhouses like this, you know, it's just been a lot of fun. I really enjoy that their style of hockey is so different, and I've been enjoying watching these teams. And I want the series to go to the distance because it's been fun. But yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to say on that. And then we can get to the Bruins and Islanders series like you so tried to curb me away from, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that, no, the Bruins and Islanders series, it might not be as fast as uh, some of mm-hmm. the other series, but I think for play, for people who like the, like, hard-nosed uh, hockey with lots of hits and, you know, like, the grinders and more your, your more traditional style of hockey yeah, is what is yeah, to contrast. Yeah, 90s hockey, I think. Yeah, to contrast, um, you know, the Tampa Bay, Carolina, and, you know, Vegas, Golden Knights, and Colorado Avalanche with this. This is, I guess, more your grinded out, traditional style of hockey i mean we know barry trotz is a great coach i know some people would disagree just because they don't like the style of coaching he has that's more defensive oriented but that's just how he is and i mean he's won stanley cups for a reason uh but that series is now tied 1-1 after the islanders beat the bruins in overtime on monday um i'm looking forward to seeing that series possibly go the distance i know that the Penguins fans want the Islanders to, you know, get shown as the frauds they are, but I don't think they're frauds in any sense. Their style of play is just, they just, they just don't go down easily. (laughs) Like they're, they are an incredible hockey team. And I know that their style of play isn't fun for a lot of people to watch, but you shouldn't discount them in any regard. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Boston though, still has some great plays, great players. Um, I am looking forward to seeing where the series goes, though, because, I mean, it's tied 1-1 and it's going back to Nassau Coliseum, and I know Islanders fans are going to be rocking. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing where we go from here. But I, I think I picked the Bruins. I would have picked the Bruins here. Um, but, I mean, the Islanders, I just you can't discount them. They're just too good. Yeah, should we, like, quickly run it down uh, who we expect to win each series? Yeah, since we now know the matchups. All right, I'll, uh, I'll go, first. go first. We're, we're not even going to have to. We're not even going to like justify it because we're getting long here. But uh, mm. I'm going to say Canadians beat the Jets, Bruins beat the Islanders, Colorado obviously, and Tampa Bay. Okay, I'm going to say Jets, Avalanche, Lightning, Bruins. So I think we we're, were basically in lockstep except all, for except for the North. Canadians. In yeah, I mean I think. Um, uh, I mean, it's Connor Hellebuck versus Carey Price, but it's gonna be a low-scoring series, or maybe it yeah. won't. Maybe it'll be the opposite of what we're I'm expect. willing to be surprised. This is not the that's not the North Division um, final. I guess we were expecting, um, but I guess that'll do it at least for this. Hopefully, next time we'll have more second round series to talk about. Especially, I don't know when the second round for the North Division gets set, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing all of these teams play because. 
there were definitely some surprises here. But you know what is not a surprise? Our love for Built Bar. Even though Andrew and I don't have one yet. We've been really talking up Built Bar. And I'm very excited to get our package from Locked On. Whenever that may be. But Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? Plus the occasional limited time flavor. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. As you've got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone with Built Bar. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Now, not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Built Bar is great for any health conscious person as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, only 4 grams net carbs. And a couple of the flavors have 18 grams protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. All the bars are covered on 100% chocolate and are soft and easy to chew. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Andrew, before we wrap up today's show, we've got a bit of pop culture to talk about. Uh, I know you put something interesting in the doc that is, I guess, relevant to something that happened on Twitter yesterday that I only caught uh, just briefly. So I don't know if you want to mention that first. Yeah, sure. So Ellie Kemper, who uh, people might know as uh, Aaron from The Office, or if you watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she was the main character. I don't know how this even happened, but somehow people looked back into her history and found out that she won a pageant that was somehow associated with the KKK when she was 19 years old. And so everyone has been calling her a KKK princess online. And I'm like, it is what is is going on here? I I keep seeing tweets that's like, who had this in their 2021 bingo cards? Seriously, no one one had this in their bingo cards. Uh, I've only caught like a little glimpse of it, but apparently it's like some sort of whatever pageant it is. is, is, um, It's like a like a mostly white, basically all white, rich elite um, pageant thing in St. Louis. Um, I don't know the full details because I I only saw it briefly on Twitter and then was looking at the memes and was like, this is, I think, a bit too above me (laughs) to, you know, try and look up. Uh, but I know that it was some sort of like, like rich elite thing in St. Louis that has a history going back like 50 years or something like that. Um, so I don't really know. I mean, I keep seeing tweets though about like, you know, her publicist coming on to Twitter and like, this is my first day on Twitter. I wonder what's going on. I guess I'll check the tweets, like the, the trending topics. Oh no. <laughs> so the jokes are really funny. So I have no idea what else is going on with the story though. I mean, I don't even want to look into it because like, yeah. it's like, I, on, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, was Ellie Kemper, she was born in Kansas City. I know that. So like, she's from the South. Uh, is it possible that she was just a dumb kid and participated in something while she was ignorant and is no longer that person? 100%. Doesn't necessarily mean that she shouldn't be made fun of for this because it's pretty crazy. But... I think it also reflects on like this that like society. Yes, like the, you know, white elite rich society. That's I think where a lot of the you know gaze should go towards outside of you know being like what happened with the girl from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, so. yeah, it was very ironic considering the story of that that series. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean maybe she chose that for a reason and. I don't know. know. I've I've never really seen very many interviews with Ellie Kemper, so I don't know if she's ever Mm -hmm. talked about her 
her life growing up or anything like that. But yeah. this was a wild story. I remember checking the trending topics because, like, uh, you know, Steve Dangle was trending because, uh, you know, there was like an outpouring of love for him after mm-hmm. the collapse uh, that Toronto engineered. <laughs> and I just saw, like, okay, Steve Dangle's trending and Ellie Kemper. Why is Ellie Kemper tr- oh, boy. trending? And I just yeah. like, what a wild night. What a wild night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that briefly yesterday while I was at my Memorial Day party. Uh, it was, I mean, I was scrolling through it this morning, just, you know, when I saw that story in the doc, I was like, okay, I guess I should read a little bit more on this, but that is a wild story. But as for me, um, I'm going to talk about, again, something near and dear to my heart. Uh, but this upcoming week, uh, the Critical Role, the live D&D show that streams on Twitch, uh, it's been going for at least five years now. Uh, they're ending their second campaign this upcoming week, and I'm part sad because i have been watching the show for a very very long time i mean it got me into D I, you know i saw a few live like i saw a live show of theirs i've seen the cast live at like interviews and stuff in the past um they're really cool people it's a really great show very long to get into though um so i've gotten a few friends into it um but their second campaign is wrapping up this week um and i guess i just want to you know toss out some love to them because uh critical role has seen me through a lot in my life and um I'm very excited for the next campaign because they're going to do another one. Uh, so it'll be a great opportunity for new people to jump on because, you know, you don't have to start with a campaign that has uh, hundreds of episodes that are like three to four hours long of live unedited D&D. I love that type of stuff. I know it's not everybody's jam, uh, but I wanted to shout them out this week because they're good people and, you know, I love that type of stuff. They got me into really playing D&D with my friends. It's been a big inspiration for me. Um so very excited to see the way the story ends. Uh, super excited to see what they do in the future. But I hope they get a long break because they had been doing um, content for the last near year uh, in the pandemic. They they like shut down for a little while, but they came back last July and did basically a y- nearly a year of pandemic content, like socially distanced and all that. So like good on them. I hope they get a break, though, because I think they deserve it. And uh, Thursday is definitely going to be an emotional day for me because, you know, seeing something I enjoy, you know, come to an end, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. But Well, who amongst us doesn't deserve a break right now, aside from anti-vaxxers? Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. We we all definitely deserve a break, but I think that's where we're going to leave it today. But, and that is all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me and Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday with some more talk and hopefully a special guest. See you next time. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Pakowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.